what happens is cool, uh-huh. but it needs to be rewritten. It's not written well. It doesn't really pull the excitement action. You yourself have said why in the past. About. Because they didn't get into interior monologues back oh, then. Oh, if that's exciting, okay, then, <laughs> then yeah, I find yeah. that kind of boring. But <laughs> Because you get character motivation beyond the surface stuff. Yeah, see, I don't, those are the parts I skip when I... <laughs> 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 like, I don't care. <laughs> I really don't. I want to know motivation. I uh, want to know why this character is doing nah. this, what they're thinking when they're doing it. Irrelevant. Yeah, I can... <laughs> so, so the NRDV, the new revised Dan version? <laughs> yeah, yes, exactly. Right. It's action, excitement, adventure, and interior monologue. Right. Hmm. What's the interior yes. monologue? Church in space. Welcome, everybody, to Church in Space. In 3D. Man, I'm, yeah. I'm just depressed. <laughs> <laughs> just sad. Like, yeah. We're doing the science fiction conference realignment game. This is Drew's idea. It's a good idea. So this is based off, uh, Dan, for your benefit, since you know nothing about sports. I assume you don't understand this. No. Um, you are correct in your yeah. assumption. <laughs> after the third time right. explaining. In college football, each teams are divided into conferences. Mm-hmm. And every- is that where they decide, like, what's going to happen that year they, well it's a, like it's it's who, it's who you play well that's the year. disney fox and abc annual meetings <laughs> yeah, where right. they decide yeah. the fate of anyway right. yeah, anyway <laughs> if you're a conspiracy theorist yeah most teams are in conferences and conferences basically determine who you play right okay and they started off as regional so like the big 10 was the 10 teams in the midwest yeah. well, yes the pac 10 was out on the west coast yes you've got it yeah and, and then it became right. and then and then Ever so often, there's what we call, and it happens more frequently now due to television money, there's what we call conference realignment, where... They go to the chiropractor. You no, know, where they, uh, they team shift conference, you know, add some teams, some conferences sometimes lose them, and if things go really badly in conference realignment, in the conference realignment game, your conference dies. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. So yeah. conferences do go extinct. Yes, yes, they do go extinct. So the first one to do this was in like the early 2000s was the Big East, which... Just died. <laughs> yeah. The Big Ten and the ACC. Big 12. And the Big 12 just basically raided it and gobbled up all their teams. You know. Wow. So we had another round of conference realignment, which is why this is topical. And basically the Big Ten has eaten the Pac-12. <laughs> so the Pac-12 is now extinct like the uh, Big East? It, yeah, like the, it's mostly extinct. It, it's okay. trying to pretend it exists, but... Any team that's worth watching is now in another conference. <laughs> so do the numbers next to the names mean anything anymore? They used to. They don't really anymore. Okay. okay. <laughs> yeah. uh, so they also need branding work. They do. Well, but, uh, yeah. it doesn't help that a good majority of the population on the West Coast does not care about football. Yeah. Whereas so. most of the population... Uh, basically, west of the or east of the Rockies, yeah, is cares. Are, cares a lot about <laughs> college football. So it's a lot. They care a lot more. Therefore, the money's in the like the middle to eastern part of the United States. This is very enlightening. Yeah, that's fascinating. I had so. What does the West Coast into? Oh, basketball. Yeah, yeah. basketball, soccer, a little bit of hockey now. Okay. You know, being beautiful. Yeah, like, like it is. <laughs> I mean, raining too. Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, that kind of stuff. And since I'm a Notre Dame fan, there are a few schools that are that are independents, we call them. With, mm-hmm. we, we don't belong to conferences because they're dirty and sinful. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and we are, we are, we are the holy in, people. It's like only... us and the Mormons are the only people who don't belong to a conference. No, BYU's in Big 12 now. Oh, it's true, BYU. You abandoned us, Mormons. No. <laughs> it's, it's all your fault, but that's yeah. not the point. But it got to the point where... Um, Entire schools were getting less money than people that were playing in the NFL. Like an individual quarterback would make more money than the whole school. So Christian McCaffrey, who was a running back for the San Francisco 49ers, would have made more money himself than the entire school of Stanford where he went to school. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. Yes. Which is why the Pac-12 died. Yes. So rest in peace, Pac-12. We didn't love you, but you existed. And rest uh, in peace, the Rose Bowl. Right. Yeah. I don't, I'm not even sure what the Rose Bowl is. It's a semifinal game now. I've actually heard of the Rose Bowl. The Rose Bowl. Whoa. Whoa. So, yeah. I'm impressed. So, the Rose Bowl. Pasadena, California. So, tradition has stated that the Rose Bowl is the bowl played between the winner of the Pac 12 and the winner of the Big Ten. And that's what it's always been. But now that both the Big Ten has like four of the biggest schools from the former Pac 12, and the Pac 12 is defunct it it's kind of like well what is <laughs> what is the rose bowl anymore <laughs> well and also what is how many schools are in the big 10 18 18 yeah if we get if we get two yeah. more it can be the big 10 because there's two different divisions in the conference <laughs> <laughs> mr notre dame we're waiting on you no, we're not going to join yeah we are, we are yeah you ho- are we are holy and pure <laughs> yeah we'll see about that uh, all right speaking of games so our topic the reason we go into all that is because our topic is science fiction realignment. So this is going to be a round robin type exercise where it's going to start off where I will start. That's me, Dave, by saying I get to transport one character mm-hmm. from any science fiction universe into another science fiction universe. Okay. Drew will then get to transport any one character from the Bible into a science fiction universe. I'm really excited about this one, actually. I know. Um, and Dan will have to transport any one science fiction character into the Bible. All right. Does that make sense? It does. And then in round two, we will just move all those down, and we'll eat, uh, and we'll do it differently. And then in round three, everybody moves again, so we'll have an opportunity in each category, Okay. and we will go. I accept your challenge. Game makes sense to everybody? It does. Okay. It's also on our phone. My on my phone and now it's on your phone because I texted you so <laughs> yeah. that we don't lose this again. <laughs> okay. I will start science fiction to science fiction. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am moving the Mandalorian into Star Trek. Which one? Uh Next Generation specifically. Uh, okay. no, which Mandalorian? Dinjarin? Yeah, Dinjarin. Okay. All right. Okay. 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 There's a lot of Mandalorians yeah, out yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a now. few of them now, right? The yes. Mandalorian, right? The the now, I remember well, when the only Mandalorian was Boba Fett. I know. Well, that, well, and we're also talking about Mandalorian, like the mm-hmm. actual, yeah. like the guy. No, no, the right. okay. Yeah, uh, Dijin. Okay, he's going into Star Trek: Next Generation specifically because I think it would be just kind of awesome. Because what Star Trek's missing is a coherent account of religion, <laughs> right? <laughs> Which is all the Mandalorian is about. You know, it, it's a religion. It is the way. It is the mm-hmm. way. And they're missing, Star Trek's always missing, like, especially the next generation, it's missing, like, the freelancer. The, here's this phenomenally large universe, and it seems like the whole universe is nice and boxed up. 
<laughs> you know, you got the Klingons, the Cardassians, the Romulans. Like, you never get the freelancer. Right. There's you no know? Harcourt Fenton Mud. Or right. Or like, Cyrano Jones. The, the Orion mean, Pirates. Or yeah. Some of that, like, Next Generation really needs that. I yeah. Mean, there was the one guy that came aboard that was the roguish ter- character. That Billy Campbell played. Yeah. 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 But that was it. Right. Yeah, you're right. Although Billy Campbell was quite good. Right. And Fresh like, off the Rocketeer. I, I think that's right. what they were trying to do with the Ferengi, like later mm-hmm. on. You know, like they're free traders, they're but like they end up being their just their own kind of cool universe. Yeah. And even that was a bit of a it was hard to align. Yeah. Because all through next gen, they it were supposed was a to be, collective of these right, capitalists gone wild. And they were supposed to be the bad guys. Right. And, and, right. Then, and then, DS- then suddenly in Deep Space Nine, then they start try try to retcon it. Right. Then so they all operate independently. Right. Then they're the lovable, huggable Ferengi. You know, yeah. like they're kind of comic relief in DS9. Yeah. Right? yeah. Um, I think what you... So this problem is solved then by the Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. And so he is in the Star Trek universe trying to rebuild his people. Right. And this is easy for them to do because they, you know, they have their code of ethics. Mm-hmm. Right. And then he finds whatever the the metal substitute is in the Star Trek universe. <laughs> well, that'll be yeah. Latinum. Right, Latinum mm, yeah. or whatever it is, right? And then you have a whole series of episodes about how does Catherine Picard deal with a group of freelancer religious fanatic mercenaries. <laughs> you know, like, are the Klingons hiring them to do raiding operations on the Romulan border? Mm-hmm. You know, like, you know, what does a Mandalorian do when he encounters a Borg cube? You oh, know, like, yeah. there's all sorts of fun things you could do with this. Oh. So. Oh, Mandalorian. Oh, he's assimilated. A Mandaborg. Oh my gosh. A Mandal- a I mean Borg Mandalorians, right? I mean <laughs> Oh, I mean but they would Oh, I mean they would just they would just coat the the entire outside of the cubes with Beskar and just right. be ooh. Yeah. That's See? just incredibly nasty. Right. You know. Yeah. Or like the Rom- you could do a lot of fun things with the Romulans and the Mandalorians, right? Cuz the Romulans would obviously be hiring them for like Federation infiltration missions mm-hmm. and like a whole kidnapping episode with, <laughs> you know. What about Jinjarin and um, the Bajorans? Right. Well, see, right? Again, yeah. another fun, like, you know, you've got Jinjarin's, like, sense of, sense, righteous, of, yeah. sense of righteousness. And, like, you could do a whole series where Jinjarin is just hired to, like, go after and, and bring back to Bajor for trial Cardassian war criminals. <laughs> like, Ooh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I can like, just see it, you know, yeah. finding them on these, these remote outpost right. colonies. He's like this, and, and he always brings them back for trial at the Bajoran War Crimes Tribunal or whatever, you know? Yeah, that would click. Yeah. That would click. So. Okay, good one. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, taking from the Bible and, to, to and implanting fiction. into sci-fi. Mm-hmm. Moses into Tatooine, <laughs> and specifically does freeing he, the slaves <laughs> from do Tatooine. They, do they roam for 40 cycles? <laughs> yes, they do. <laughs> There's no water to part, though. I mean, <laughs> they find a moisture farm. <laughs> he has a vaporator staff. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's parting of the, uh, the Dune Sea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Kadoosh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay i'm i'm sold uh, i mean you've got they kind of touch on it's funny how star wars like touches on that whole slavery thing in episode one and then we like never hear about it like uh yes clone wars with the zygarians okay. yeah the clone wars but like we never the movies never seem to like cycle back to it you yeah. know the ethical implications yeah <laughs> well i mean it was also from a long time ago for them too uh what was it like the sith used it as a tool 
think that's how one of the phrases goes when I, when they were on Zygeria. Is that what the planet is? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. I just want to like like so is the new republic stamping out slavery or are they doing what the old republic did, which is seem to not care. You know, mm-hmm. like what's the? There's a lot. I you know, yeah. based on what we've been seeing in the post rebellion mm-hmm. universe. They're yeah. not doing a lot because they're having trouble <laughs> trouble establishing a true bureaucracy to run the Right, galaxy. well, right. And I, that's the most realistic, right? I mean, <laughs> the threat all revolutions face is actually running the thing. After yes, after kidding. they win, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's good. I like it. Uh, For me, it'd be the, the interesting part with Aaron and uh-huh. how he, like they interact with everybody. I also like the implication of the people of Tatooine as Israelites. <laughs> yeah. Yes. But I mean, it wasn't just, I mean, it was what? It wasn't everyone that was religious that, it wasn't all Jews. It was just yeah. everybody, all the slaves right. left. Yeah. So you'd have to switch out, though. There'd have to be one new High Holy Day on the calendar. And that mm. would be when the 12 tribes all compete in pod racing. <laughs> Except that would probably not be a good idea because they'd be escaping the huts who are the pharaoh in this situation. <laughs> that would probably not be a good thing. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I'm sold. Yeah, that could yeah. be cool. Yeah. Okay. I like it. I like it. All right. I'm pulling out all the stops with sci-fi to the Bible. <laughs> mm-hmm. Dr. Manhattan Ooh. to the Bible. Ooh. I'm tired of these people. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this changes everything. <laughs> Literally. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think in the Bible, Dr. Manhattan gets smote, you know, well, by Yahweh. Here's, here's the interesting thing. This is what I like yeah. about it, right? Yeah. Finally, we um, have true conflict with something at stake. The, uh, the, the mm. thing that makes the Bible so boring, it's... <laughs> no, I'm sorry, but... Yeah. <laughs> God's all-powerful. Uh, you know, it's like, well, he can still do whatever he wants. So, to have a good story, you need that tension where, where the you know, the main character is at stake, and 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 Yahweh doesn't have that. Yahweh's just yeah, I, I got, I'll snap my fingers and correct things if I want to, yeah. but Doctor Manhattan can also snap his fingers and correct things. You know, there's this whole, there's this whole series of stories in the Old Testament about how the Philistines. It's a couple chapters in Samuel where the the Philistines capture the Ark of the Covenant in battle one time because uh-huh. God's mad at the Israelites so he doesn't let them win <laughs> even though they bring the they think oh we'll bring the ark and it'll work you know they do they make the mistake the Nazis make in temple or in ark of the covenant <laughs> Indiana Jones mm-hmm. <laughs> right you know they think oh it's magic and it'll just work for us because yeah. we have it and God's like Haha, no <laughs> you know and I'm still in charge right yeah. and so the Philistines win and they capture the ark and the Philistines kind of think oh we'll put it in the temple of Dagon and it'll be great and in these increasing series of disasters keep happening <laughs> so like the first day like the they put it in the temple of Dagon they find the the, the statue of Dagon has fallen over <laughs> in the direction of the ark. They're like, oh, that's weird. And they set it back up. And then two days later, they figure out that they find the the statue's fallen and its hands and its heads have been broken (laughs) off. You know, a week later, there's a plague in the whole city. (laughs) Finally, the Philistines are like, we're so sick of this thing. They just stick it on a cart with an ox (laughs) and and, and get it to go. Like, not even with a driver. Just get out of (laughs) here. And I kind of think that's how that storyline would go. <laughs> Dr. Manhattan. Yeah. But it would still, you may know what the end is going to be, uh-huh. but there, there, it's got potential for a climactic yeah. battle, a duel, uh-huh. you know, a lot of, no other character in the Bible mm-hmm. really presents a power threat. Yeah. 
and Dr. Manhattan would be the closest to do that. Yeah. So I would add that so you finally have mm-hmm. a worthy opponent to the protagonist. Yeah. See, I heard uh, the recovering heretic in there for a little bit mm-hmm. about calling the Bible boring. <laughs> so I feel like, yeah, Dr. Manhattan is your pick for that <laughs> For that reason. I mean, in my, uh, I used to tell my mom, it's like, because in our tradition, listeners, we have three readings in a, uh, in worship from the Bible. And I used to tell my mom, and it's usually one from the Old Testament, one from the Paul's letters, and one from the New Testament, mm-hmm. from the Gospels. And I used to tell my mom, why can't we have three readings from the Old Testament? Jesus is boring. All he does is talk. <laughs> amen. Yes. May I just say amen? Yeah. I mean, if, you, if you're going to have any interest, in, it's in the Old Testament. Yep. Paul... I'm sorry. Paul is boring. Mm-hmm. I, I would fall asleep if I was there in person for his speeches. And yeah, the no, New Testament. No, what's crazy is they were letters that were read out loud by somebody. Yeah, even old, more worse. Right? You know, so that's what's So crazy. yeah, what, what little excitement there is in the Bible yeah. is the Old Testament. Yeah. And so, yeah, fun. so there you go. I can't give it a five-star rating if, <laughs> if there's only like three, three books within it that I like. <laughs> You haven't read Samuel. You haven't read First and Second Samuel. I have. I've read the whole thing, cover to cover. <laughs> you need to read First and Second Samuel again. Reread. It's like Game of Thrones, man. It's like... Maybe I need no. I get back to uh-huh. my point of what happens is cool, uh-huh. but it needs to be rewritten. It's not written well. It doesn't really pull the excitement action. And so you yourself hearing... have part of you yourself have said why in the past about because they didn't get into interior monologues back oh, then. Oh, if that's what you're like, if that's exciting, okay, then <laughs> then yeah, I I find yeah. that kind of boring. But <laughs> I, because you get character motivation, you know, you know, b- yeah. beyond the surface stuff. Mm, What's the interior yes. monologue? Okay. I think Goliath. If that's what you want, then yes. Look at okay. Goliath and the Philistines, yeah. right here. David goes, mm-hmm. he displays that he has absolutely no honor and no one should ever trust David mm-hmm. because he violates the warrior code in his one-on-one duel with Goliath. Yeah. And I just sit there and think in that moment mm-hmm. between being struck mm-hmm. with an illegal weapon mm-hmm. and dying, yeah. what was Goliath thinking of like, who is this kid? He doesn't know how to be a warrior. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And the Philistines themselves, right? They basically have this treaty mm-hmm. that whoever w- loses the battle gets to leave in peace. Because the whole point of that one-on-one warrior thing uh-huh. was to save lives. Yep. And so the whole deal was, if David sl- 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 <laughs> slays Goliath, then the Philistines get to walk away and go back to uh-huh. there. And no, no. David yeah. sl- slays Goliath, and right. they just wipe him out. Yeah. If we told that story today... Mm-hmm then David would be the arch-villain because he, he's yeah. violating everything. I, not... I guess I would, in all seriousness, I, where I would push back is I would say, you're forgetting that the story told from the underside, mm-hmm. like it's a story from the perspective of the oppressed. Yeah. You know, in yeah. this equation, right, the Israelites are the oppressed ones yeah. by the Philistines, right? You but know? it's relying and, on that. And even yeah. look, at, look at how we tell the story stories today of the oppressed people. Uh-huh. We're always careful that the oppressed people are portrayed as the ones who stick to their ethics, stick to the honor codes. Yeah, and I think that's where we're almost... I actually think that gets us in a lot of trouble because it gets us into this really naive place where you then begin justifying the oppressors because the oppressed didn't stick to that honor code that you think they're supposed yeah, to stick to. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it's like... And the Bible is just radically honest about that. It's like, no, these are, you know, the oppressed people rising up 
and they will rise up and do their yeah. thing no matter what. But you know? and that's that's where the problem is, right? It's from an ethics standpoint. See, and I guess I, I would say if, the Bible's more. I think the Bible's more ethically correct in that regard. Like the the you know the casting of the mighty down from their thrones has the the outcome is what's important. There. <laughs> you know the the yeah, overthrowing. Yeah, but I think I think that's what leads to then Israel itself needing to be overthrown when the kings themselves oh, yeah. become corrupt. Mm-hmm. You know, absolutely because mm-hmm. when the oppressed mm-hmm. don't stick to their moral guidelines. Mm-hmm. And they be, then they become the oppressor as a result of that because they've lost their code. They've mm-hmm. lost their memory of what it was like but to be in oppressed. But the, the code is not in relation to how do we deal with the oppressors. The code is in relation to how do we deal with the less fortunate. Yeah. You know, which is actually God's problem is, you know, that's why God sends the Babylonians in the end. Is, right. You know, it's, it's not actually, it's how do you, your code is always in relation to the less fortunate, not to yeah. your oppressors. But, yeah, when we're sticking to the Bible in this talk, but mm-hmm. historically, that's what we see happen again and again and again. Oh, yeah. The oppressed... Well. If they, the oppressed who don't stick to their codes, when mm-hmm. they become in power, mm-hmm. they become oppressors themselves. Yeah. I mean, this is the problem of sin we're getting into. Yeah. You know? I, this is ending up getting much deeper than it was <laughs> yeah. supposed to. Yes. I, I feel oppressed over here because it's Pastor and the Recovering Heretic on the, on the podcast that... <laughs> Yeah, sorry, Drew, we forgot about yeah, that. We just hijacked yeah. everything. We uh, oppressed you. You, you can, <laughs> yes. a lot of the, you know, I was telling Bible study this the other day. I was saying, like, the interpretive key to much violence in the Bible is to understand that it is, the Bible is expressly written from the perspective of the oppressed, mm-hmm. and it's, un, and it's un, it has no problem with that. Kind of like stating that that's the correct viewpoint, and that, you know, the scandal of the Old Testament is that God is particular. Like, God is particular on the side of oppressed people. The oppressors, whether that's Egypt or the Philistines or, you know, uh, they will feel the full, unmitigated, unhonorable blunt, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, of God's uh, of God's work. And that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> With the Almighty is kind of like the... To carry that forward, I think mm-hmm. it is a warning sign for all who are in power, even if they are the formerly oppressed. Yeah. I think the, the lesson that comes across in the Bible over mm-hmm. and over and over again is you may have been the oppressed, in which case I was right yeah. there with you. Yeah. But when you become the oppressor, right. I'm going to have to remind you. Right. I'm going to have to remind you whose side I'm really on. Yeah. Well, round two. Wow. Yeah. Let's see if Good we job. can get yeah. a little lighthearted. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And involve Drew. Right. See, yeah. See, all we had to do was one round and our energy went, whoop. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> All right, round two. Uh, so I'm starting off with science fiction to the Bible. I want to see hobbits put in the Bible. Ooh. <laughs> oh, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, for a lot of reasons. Like, I know Tolkien portrays them as, like, this is the ideal society. But in a lot of ways, like, they're actually kind of like like the anti-biblical vision of what the good life is, right? You know, like, they're really just about doing their thing, like, eating, you know, eating yeah. and drinking and partying, right? That's all they're yeah. about. And, and, like, and I'm, I'm waiting for the part where you say it's not... Yeah. Well... so far, it is sounding pretty idyllic. I, I, know, I know, well, it yeah. is idyllic for us, right? But, like, can't you imagine... Imagine John the Baptist showing up on the shores of the Shire, <laughs> you know, going, repent for the kingdom of God has come near, and then looking at Bilbo Baggins and going, who told you to flee from the wrath to come? <laughs> you know? <laughs> You can, I could hear a lot of, 
Old Testament prophetic rants being directed against that kind of shire culture. Yeah, you know. Yeah, but I think it would be about as effective as as the evangelical preachers on college campuses. Probably, but I'd love for the interplay, you know, like I'd love for what happens then with a radical ascetic hobbit movement, you know, like. (laughs) (laughs) So we're glossing over the fact that hobbits are clearly Lutherans. Yeah, I know, right? Well, yeah. (laughs) Yes, that's true too. Yeah. You know, and I'd love to know, like, or stick them in the book of Acts with a, a radical messianic sect of hobbits that hold all things in common <laughs> you know <Yeah. laughs> like all i know <laughs> is that in a hobbit church the celebration of the eucharist would be a feast there would be first eucharist I know. then second yeah. eucharist <laughs> then third <laughs> and eucharist right and then i want to know like paul's letter to be like you only need it once guys <laughs> like <laughs> You know, like there's a whole, there's a whole chat of third Corinthians to the hobbits, you know, like. Let's not yeah. even get started on the serving of the wine. Oh, yeah. You know, right. Like the Lutheran, you know, right. this church, how you have those little teeny plastic. Yeah, cups. everyone, everyone, yeah. Gets everyone a goblet. have goblets, yeah. huge yeah. goblets, right. like tankers. Flagons. Yeah. Like you'd need like, I, right. You'd I need get my whole, Jesus. You'd get whole new books of the Bible about it, right? Yeah. I mean, it's, it'd be great. Uh, yeah, okay. I'm in favor of this. Yes. So that's yeah. my science fiction okay. Bible. <laughs> Let's write it. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Paul's letter to the hobbits. <laughs> yes. Okay. First first hobbits. Yeah. First hobbits. Second hobbits. The first Lutheran church of the Shire. Yeah, I want to know, right? Are there churches underground? Like, are they in the hill, or do they build, like, Ooh. above ground structures? No, it's got to be the city on the hill. Right. Yeah. Well, right. Yeah. There might be a little cross on top of the hill. Yeah. Well, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I just, you know, there's all sorts of questions, right? Yeah. yeah. All right. The ELCS, the Evangelical <laughs> Lutheran Church in the Shire. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Uh, all right, Drew, you okay. are science fiction to science fiction. This is the one I had the problem with the most. Mm. Boimler. <laughs> Can you let me finish, man? <laughs> Always begins with Boimler. <laughs> Boimler in the beginning of the Empire. <laughs> He's coming from the background of the New Republic, mm-hmm. and now there's the Empire, and he's in charge of, you so know... Is he like- on a Star Destroyer, or is he like no, in no, one think of those of, like endless rows of bureaucratic offices? That, that one. Think that of one. Um, okay. think of Andor, and yeah. uh, he's definitely in that office space, and he right. has no idea what to do. Yeah, yeah. Eventually, he'll join the rebellion, but <laughs> you're like their worst operative. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, oh God. We yes. Because <laughs> oh. because it was either that or put Pike in the same era. And I feel like Boimler would be a better choice. Boimler would be far more entertaining. Yeah, mm-hmm. it would be more entertaining. Okay, yeah. I'm sold on that. That's yeah, win. Wow. Yep. Yep. So Bible to sci-fi now. Huh? Mm-hmm. Okay, Bible to sci-fi. Here we go. Mm-hmm. I'm going straight up. Yep. With Ooh. Elisha. Is he the bear guy? Which one was yeah, the bear guy? Yeah, he's the bear guy. Yeah, Elisha. I'm going with Elisha. There's a lot of fun in the Elisha. Elisha's, Elisha's such a grump. Yeah. <laughs> I go tankerous grump. I love Okay, I go with Elijah into again mm-hmm. Star Trek mm-hmm. TNG era. Okay, not lower decks. Not lower decks. Really? Mm-hmm. Not lower decks. Or DS Nine. So is so, he like? Well, this... he would cross over well in DS Nine. Yeah, because the Bajoran prophets, you know, the Kai mm-hmm. versus Elisha. Mm-hmm. That, that would, would be, be pretty interesting. Maybe uh, I think maybe yeah. I will shift that. I that like would that. Be a, right, a radical Kaiist messianic prophetic figure. Constantly announcing judgment and doom against the organized Kai. Yeah, <laughs> you know? against the organized Kai. Uh-huh. Initially, and that's the reason the Cardassians came 
Mm-hmm. You know, it was this right. false Kai. Mm-hmm. Occasionally doing great miracles yeah. through the power of the prophet. Okay. And, it, and it would still work because part of it was I was picturing Elisha mm-hmm. going up to Picard and they were like twins. He would work that way, too, as like a reoccurring, they occasionally bump into him. He's like this wandering prophet that they like occasionally bump into across the universe, you know, that, again, is his cantankerous self that, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know. And the fact that he's bald. And personally, I feel there's too much underrepresentation (laughs) of people with male pattern baldness in sci-fi. So. So Elisha gets my vote in that regard, too. The follically challenged. <laughs> yeah, the, we, the follically sh- challenged, are underrepresented. Fair enough. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, All right, Pastor, you're on right. Bible to Sci-Fi. Round three. So Bible to Science Fiction. I've done a version of this one before, so I won't say this one exactly, because it'll be cheating. But uh, so the version I've said before is the entire first and second Samuel narrative, like a la the show Kings, you know, mm-hmm. just, mm-hmm. just stick it in a science fiction universe and you're fine. Um, uh, I will do though the entire first and second Kings narrative uh, in pick your universe. You know, I, I think it could go in many, but this narrative of these dueling monarchies that sometimes are allied, sometimes are fighting, mm-hmm. you know, uh, small kingdoms next to great empires eventually leading to the destruction of both. It'd be a tragedy, (laughs) you know, (laughs) stick that in a science fiction, its own spinoff series, you know, Mm. it would be fine from Solomon to coming to the Babylonians, (laughs) you know, it it would be great. So what universe? You got to pick a universe. Got to pick a universe, huh? Uh, You know, I'm going to go out on a limb and I'm going to say, stick it in the setting for a, for mass effect Five or four. Whoa. Or oh, oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. yeah. You know, yeah. so these two small little kingdoms on that are kind of religious based, mm-hmm. you know, on the edge of Turian and Krogan space, basically. I like that. You know, I like that a lot. And yeah. dueling and the, the Turians come and, you know, the Krogan can be the Assyrians and come and destroy <laughs> one of them. And, they're, and then the other kingdom is a Turian vassal state for a while until they rebel. The Turians come and completely obliterate them later. And ta-da! There you go. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. Commander Shep or the whoever your Commander Shepard replacement is is wandering around with Liara acting as narrator because she's obviously still alive. <laughs> solid. That's my... Mm-hmm. Solid choice. Yeah. And that way it can be confined because I think that's Mass Effect's problem is you've got the whole galaxy. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, and that way it can just be in these like two, because Judea and Israel were like actually really small countries in the ancient world. So they can just be these two or three little systems, you know, yeah. really confined story, confined setting. You mm-hmm. know, you're bouncing back and forth for missions between the two. Well done. Mm-hmm. Well done. Okay. So anyway, Bioware, make this game. (laughs) (laughs) Read first and second Kings. It'll be great. (laughs) You're there. Yeah, you're there. (laughs) Luke Skywalker as Jesus' disciple. So you are science fiction. Science fiction to Bible. Bible. Right, okay. Luke Skywalker as Jesus' disciple. Whiny little farm boy Uh going across. (laughs) He's the right age. Whiny Uh little disciple. Yeah. (laughs) But Lord, I just want to go to Tasha Station with my friends. (laughs) But Lord, I just want to go to Bethsaida. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, okay, I'm sold. (laughs) Yep, he would fit right in. Yeah. (laughs) 
It, it just it clicks. It, yeah, and that I, also means he becomes a bishop later in Christian history, right? You know, because they all become like they all become yeah. bishops and stuff. So Bishop Luke Skywalker, <laughs> Bishop Luke, yeah, yeah, Lucius of Tatooine. Yeah, that right. clicks. Yeah, that clicks. Right. I mean, that was literally my in- the entire <laughs> basis of this entire episode was that. It was that. You got yes. that, Luke. Okay, that was the foundation of this game. Yes. Okay, fair nice. enough. And nice. I had to build from there. Uh-huh. Yeah. All right. I'm sci-fi to sci-fi mm-hmm. to wrap things up. Yep. I'm going Tars Tarkas into Star Wars. Who? What? Tars Tarkas. Edgar Rice Burroughs' Barsoom series. Uh-huh. John Carter of Mars, yeah, the movie, yeah, yeah. it was based on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tars Tarkas is the leader of the Tharks, the... The big aliens, the, the, the yeah, warrior the, the aliens. four-armed yeah. green warrior aliens. Uh-huh. And there are the Warhoons, who mm-hmm. are their rival tribe yeah. of green Martians. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why I think it would work well. So mm-hmm. you've got something from, well, relatively speaking, our world, mm-hmm. our galaxy, in the Star Wars universe mm-hmm. galaxy... But what I like about it is, A, you've got really cool aliens, Mm -hmm. but you have one tribe that would be with the Rebellion, Uh and the other tribe, their rivals, that would be working for the Empire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then you introduce (laughs) Luke Carter of Mars, (laughs) (laughs) and how that disrupts their balance, and then leads to Barsoom, or Mars, becoming a total ally of the Rebellion, or... Yeah, yeah. Star Wars tends to be totalist with its races, right? Yeah, so like mm. all the Mon Calamari are in the rebellion, or all the <laughs> the Quarren exactly. are in are in the uh, the uh, Confederacy. Yeah. yeah, like you know, Andor was the closest you got, like with that one alien truck driver who was like super pro Empire. You know, yeah. that started introducing a little bit of complexity mm-hmm. to the situation. Finally, yeah, right. But like before that. I can, I, no, I, nothing, nothing what? yet, nothing yet. <laughs> but before that, you know, you, yeah. So it would be I, that would be an interesting dynamic to have same race, two different tribes. You know, the rebellion playing out in real time. Yeah, and especially they're both warrior races, right? Two warrior races. Yeah, like a planet-wide war because one tribe is rebellion and one tribe is empire. Yeah, yeah, Moncala. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be a fascinating dynamic for a star. I agree with you. Yeah. All right. Sold. Yay. Any honorable yeah. mentions? No. I think I think we can just end there because those those two are really good. I yeah. I definitely can't top those. Mm-hmm. You know, I just have a quick image, mm-hmm. and that's something based on stuff we said before. But that is when the New Jerusalem comes, it turns out to be a Borg cube. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But outside of that, yeah. Yes. It's not, a, it's not a Borg cube. It's a. It's an arcology, right? You yeah. know, I mean, it's a self-contained dome-like structure. <laughs> <laughs> it's a Dyson sphere made of Beskar. We all know that. <laughs> yeah. Piloted by Doctor Manhattan. Yes. Right. Piloted yep. by Doctor Manhattan. <laughs> If any of that happens in the apocalypse, folks, you'll be the first to hear it (laughs) on Church in Space. In 3D! See ya. Hey, Dan. Yeah, Drew, you (laughs) person over there. Bring the coffee. (laughs) I brought French roast and cappuccino. Ooh, French roast. Ugh. Ooh. (laughs) Wow. And since I don't drink coffee, those are the only two I could think of. I'm definitely more French roast. Where are you, Pastor? House blend, light, something. House blend, Colombian, you know, like medium mm. roast. Mm. I'm like a Dunkin' Donuts guy. <laughs> <laughs> like, give me a Dunk, you know, Dunkin' coffee, and I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs>
I think that solved our caffeine problem. Yeah. And our energy problem. Mm -hmm. Where's my Mr. Fusion? <laughs>